The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. One more time for the month of June, we ring the bell. The only podcast that you need, the only show from the only website you need to keep you up to date on everything going on with the sweet science. We are here from Big Fight Weekend and however you found us, social media link uh, via the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Thank you for doing so. Make sure you follow or subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, subscribe. Podcast automatically comes to you in the preview mode, usually Friday morning, Friday mid-afternoon, as we head towards the weekend, which is part of our name. But if you are subscribed and we do special recap podcast or a special podcast, you get it automatically as well if you are following or subscribing on the podcast platforms. So thank you for doing so. Thank you publicly again to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, everybody with the Sports Gambling Podcast and their website because they help push us, help promote us so that more and more of you, uh, thousands and thousands of you have found us uh, here. We see that right now in the audience uh, analytics, etc. that we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of you finding us. So thank you to Sean and Ryan for helping push us along. Uh, want to tell you that I'm looking forward to talking with Marquise Johns. He's back this week off the one week hiatus. He's here straight ahead. Senior writer from bigfightweekend.com. later on in the podcast, Ryan O'Hara from ring TV boxing insider and writer, uh, a member also of the uh, Bo- uh, professional boxing writers association, so uh, we look forward to talking with him on a couple of different subjects. And we've got fights. Yes, we've got fights, including world championship fights. Well, I say world championship fight. There's a WBC world championship fight in Mexico. There's a WBA something regular world title sort of fight uh, between Mario Barrios and that belt against Gervonta Davis at 140 pounds. And then a non-title main event on ESPN, but it has a lot of intrigue. Vasily Lomachenko. And uh, Nakatani from Japan, essentially an elimination fight for the lightweight uh, number one contender supremacy, if you will. That's the main event in Vegas, top rank ESPN. We'll get to all of that as the show goes on with uh, Marquise, with Ryan O'Hara. Look forward to that. All right, so all of that is good. Let's get to it. Let's get to what happened last weekend and much more. Here he is, Marquise Johns, back with me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, all right, so are you good off the vacation? Did you enjoy like the beach and the massage and the uh, and the uh, all the, uh, the 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 high roller uh, Learjet and you know all the different things that you did while you were away last week? And I was slaving away on the podcast without you. Are you good? Are you well rested? Are you geared up? Are you ready to go? I am ready to go, TJ. Have my umbrella drinks. And uh, I saw uh, your boy, uh, Bernie. Uh, he's still on the beach, by the way. I don't, I don't know if that's not a good idea or not. But everything's ready to go. I'm looking forward to these fights this weekend. But the, the thing is, is you and I make jokes about movies in the 80s and 90s, and we're becoming older. And like the Gen Z crowd, the under 30-year-olds, they don't know Weekend at Bernie's. But you and yeah. I know Weekend at Bernie's, which is good. Um, of course, I made a Dumb and Dumber reference to you off the air, and you were kind of you know, incredulous at me making it. Am I that old that Dumb and Dumber eludes you right now from the 1990s with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels? No, that's not me because I should have known that. That's probably one of the better Dumb and Dumber movies that Jim Carrey made also as well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, they made a lot of money, though, off of that movie. That's for sure. All right, so uh, let's get to the recaps and the results of last week. We want to tell you that we've also got some fight odds coming. Gervonta Davis, Mario Barrios, the Lomachenko fight. We'll go over some of the odds, some of our predictions. Last weekend, we 
were looking at predictions about knockouts and the odds on that. Jamal Charlo in action uh, with Ma- with Juan Montiel in Houston. We spent a lot of time talking about that fight last week. Marquise, let's dive right in. A bit of a surprise. It was not a Charlo knockout. It ends up being a 12-round decision where Montiel not only showed a big-time chin to not go down, but he also fired back on Jamal Charlo. Your analysis of what you saw and the problems that Charlo had on not being able to score the KO yet again as a middleweight champion. He has another fight, fourth time in five fights, that he's had a middleweight title defense now go the distance. What are your thoughts, Marquise? It's interesting, TJ, because I would have thought out of all the opponents that Charlo was supposed to absolutely obliterate, you would have thought it would have been this WBC mandatory guy that they just found just, you know, just a slot in the rankings. And for all those purposes, TJ, for about the first five rounds, Charlo was punching this dude in the face to the point of no return, is that he just wouldn't go down. And then by, I, I, honestly, TJ, it makes you wonder, does Charlo have enough ammo to keep to actually put guys away? Because after the eighth round, Montiel kept fighting back, and the scorecards were a little wide, to be honest with you, but it's a hometown fight. It is what it is with that. But the one thing I thought was interesting more than anything else was not only did Montiel stand up and look pretty, pretty, pretty rugged and durable with this, it got it's pretty much getting up probably TJ another fight on one of these Showtime cards, and he's been invited to Charlo sparring training camps now. So iron sharpens iron, and if you can't, if you want to spar with a guy you can't knock out, you can't do any better than that. <laughs> well, and I know uh, that he rocked, even if Charlo wants to try to play it off. He rocked Charlo a couple of times and backed him off and scored with combinations. Uh, Yes, Charlo wobbled him, but was never able to drop him. Uh, Montiel had never been beyond 10 rounds in his career, went the full 12 here. I wrote about this on the website. Jamal Charlo is undefeated. He's talented. He's an action-packed fighter. Nobody's taking anything away from being unbeaten. Former junior middleweight world champion with his brother kind of in the same division. He moved up to middleweight, got the WBC belt, has been defending it. You cannot deny that he's been victorious. You cannot deny that he's been impressive in terms of output and scoring. But isn't there legitimate concern that his punch is not translating into knockouts in the middleweight division, even against so-so competition? He's not scoring knockdowns, knockouts, and stoppages. All right, I wrote that. I'd love to know what you think. Actually, TJ, I agree with what you wrote this past weekend for Big Fight Weekend because it reminds me of another name, TJ, and it's a name that he's been that that's been mentioned with a fight from for the longest. And Demetrius Andre with the same problem. Kind of funny, TJ. You have two middleweights who uh, have issues knocking guys and putting guys away with knockouts, not wanting to fight each other. Boxing one on one. Who knew? But I really think it's really interesting with Charlo because the last two fights Charlo's had, he's made ex- well three well not three fights. So, Devachenko fight, we that was going to go to the cards. There's no way around that. But the fight against Brandon Adams, it went to the decision because of, of an injury. This one, he said it was because of something else as well. So at some point, TJ, no one's going to get tired of hearing these excuses. Either, either put these guys away or just fight. And we're going to talk about this later on with Gervonta Davis moving up another weight class now to 140. I mean, he was fighting as recently as a year ago at 126 pounds or 130 pounds at featherweight or super featherweight. He's now going to fight at 140 super lightweight or junior welterweight, whatever you prefer. And sometimes your punching power doesn't translate anymore when you've moved up a weight class, a second weight class. And so all this talk that Jamal Charlo might move up to 168 and try to fight Canelo Alvarez, is he going to have the punch? Because Alvarez has progressively moved up, say what you will, insert the PED joke here. He's moved up to middleweight and still maintained a punch. He moved all the way up to light heavyweight and was banging Sergey Kovalev as a light heavyweight, has moved back down to 168 and is banging and knocking down and knocking out uh, super middleweights. So th- that's a great um, a comparison that Canelo's punch has still moved up with him to middleweight, to super middleweight, and to light heavyweight. I just don't see it the same with, with Charlo. And, and I would have real concern about him at 168 having any kind of impact against a Canelo Alvarez. That's the problem, TJ, because with Canelo, essentially his last few fights, the, we, we, essentially the Callum Smith fight, which pretty much Callum Smith was playing the shell defense for about 12 rounds once he realized he, could, he had no shot. He's been blowing these guys away. Grand, it, 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 you know, Avi Yudin, whatever. But the, the knockout of Saunders is, is impressive. The knockout of Colebrook is impressive. And I don't think that's going to change with, with, with Canelo. You, 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 it, it always, everyone, TJ, wants to fight Canelo, but none of these guys have shown the ability either to hang with Canelo 
or have the physical attributes to either match up in the ring one, one way or another. But it's all about the pay they get in the fight, so we're, we're stuck with this. All right, so more on uh, Andrade. Will he maybe be fighting Gennady Golovkin a little bit later on on the show? But uh, in any event, Charlo, what what happens for him next? Is there maybe a unification fight? Does he try to move up, et cetera? Again, he's now 32-0, and 0, and I can't be any clearer. He's entertaining to watch. He's had success, and maybe it's one of those where you get uh, to a certain point at a different weight where you're not a knockout guy anymore, and maybe he is to that point because clearly this was a guy that Jaime Munguia back in 2018 drilled in two rounds. In the first minute of the second round, he laid him out. So, yeah. and Munguia fighting at middleweight at 160 at the same weight as uh, as Charlo here. So, all right, we'll wait to see on that. Simultaneous to that show was the top-ranked boxing card where the monster, Naoya Inoue, defended his unified bantamweight titles again, the Japanese hero, one as as expected, he beat the Filipino Michael Das Marinas uh, by mm-hmm. third round knockout. Marquise is smiling because it was a liver shiver. It was a liver shiver like times three, a liver shiver hat trick. He kept knocking him down with the lefts to the body and stopped him eventually in the third round. Your insight and analysis on what the monster did, please. Credit to uh, uh, my hot and spicy Das Marinas for actually getting up after that second body shot. Only to be absolutely annihilated with a third one, TJ. It's one of those knockdowns where it's like, oh, it, it, it reminds me of the old school cartoons where it's like you see the roadrunner, you see the coyote, you see the cliff, you know what's going to happen next. It's just guaranteed. And it, but anyway, it's always interesting now because the way it's set up now is uh, uh, Norito Donaire is supposed to be facing Cash Nero, and at some point he's going to want, want a unification fight between one of these one of these title holders at 118. They're kind of playing the shell game a little bit, playing keep away, because I think they're they're, sl- they're slating the winner of that fight, supposedly to fight Riggin now. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But if that's the case, TJ, we'll, we'll, we'll see anyway more of these fights. So I, I thought it's interesting that, that, as you mentioned, and since we last did the podcast here, the news has come out that Donaire is now uh, the, as the uh, oldest Bantamweight champion ever. And again, to go back in the chronology, the monster beat Donaire in December of 2019 mm-hmm. um, and took his title, took his world title. And so now uh, the monster has two of the belts. Donaire has since upset Nordino Bale uh, by knockout, has the WBC belt. And now we're going to get a unification fight with the WBO champion, John Riel Casamero, speaking of another Filipino fighter. So the two Filipino fighters will fight. And then will we see an undisputed 118 that is potentially the Monster Donaire Part 2? That's what everybody's wondering here. And you're a little hesitant, I hear, as to whether that's going to be anytime soon, no matter who wins Donaire Casamero, it may not be the, the Monster next. I don't think it's going to be the monster next season because I just think they're going to play keep away with these belts just because that's what that's what boxing does with, with these promotions and labels. I'm, I'm looking forward to this Cashnero uh, Donaire fight because I, I know Donaire wants his, wants that 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 anyway fight again, which a lot of folks do actually. I'm actually intrigued to see if that happens again as well. Uh, it's just a matter of will that actually happen or will the, the promotional outlets let it happen? We'll we'll find out sooner or later. All right. Uh, so again, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about the fights this weekend. We're still going over some news of the week. Ryan O'Hara of Ring TV with us in a little bit uh, with some of that news of the week. And then we'll get into the fight predictions for Javante Davis, Mario Barrios, Lomachenko, Nakatani in Las Vegas. Again, on top rank, the, the uh, Davis Barrios in Atlanta, State Farm Arena. The word is, again, there have been over 15,000 tickets sold uh, for this on uh, Saturday night on pay-per-view. Interesting that it's in and around the Atlanta Hawks playing playoff games uh, as well. Uh, who knew the Hawks would still be alive in NBA playoff games, but the State Farm Arena will be rocking for the next few nights, including Davis, Barrios, we believe, and Julio Cesar Martinez, also the WBC 115-pound super flyweight uh, world champ fighting in Mexico. So three different fight cards of interest. We'll get into the predictions and the odds uh, in a little bit. A couple more just real quick. The Manny Pacquiao-Earl Spence fight for August is now set. T-Mobile Arena is where it will be. Uh, As it turns out, WWE Professional Wrestling SummerSlam, they got the venue of Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, They're 65,000 plus. So wrestling 
will be there Saturday night in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, while the fight for Pacquiao and Spence will be at the T-Mobile Arena, 18,000-seat venue at the end of the Vegas Strip. It's most known for being the hockey arena for the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL that have been having a Stanley Cup playoff run. All right, so what do you make of that? No stadium for Fury Wilder, no Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, no stadium for Pacquiao and Spence, Marquise. I wonder, TJ, if it's more of a just everyone just shooting pipe dreams or just my theory at this point, especially with the uh, Fury Wilder fight where we need to really start fact-checking Bob Arum. And I know because we don't because he's 89 years old and we don't we don't fact-check the elderly in this country for one reason or another. Poppy from the Dan Levitard show is a great example of that. But nonetheless, we need to... We need to start doing a little better part of that. But I think it's mainly because, DJ, I think a lot of that is because of the financial parts of it. And they realize they can make the same amount of money at a smaller venue as opposed to having to pay a cut to uh, the owners of the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, I that's mean. true, too. Well, and the <laughs> other thing is we, we gave this example without going into all of the specifics. But the Canelo Saunders fight had in the neighborhood of 65,000 tickets sold, but only, only made around 9 million live gate. You go back to Wilder Fury 2 at the MGM Grand Garden Arena that had 15, 16,000 tickets sold and still made 16 or $17 million, 10 or $11 million more. So that's where I'm sure you crunch the numbers on. We can charge more for the premium tickets and make more money and have less capacity. It'll still be a loud arena. That appears to be the same uh, economic strategy that uh, that PBC is using for the Pacquiao Spence fight here. That less is more in the arena setting. We can charge more on average for the tickets and probably make seventy five percent or or one hundred percent double the money on the live gate revenue. That appears to be uh, a big part of the motivation. And one more while we're at it, speaking of Wilder and Fury, I I'm just checking here. We're in to the end of another week, which would be like the fourth week, right? That we continue mm-hmm. to hear about Anthony Johns, Joshua, Alexander Usyk, uh, which now is not happening in August was rumored to be happening in September. We're on week number three, because you know that I keep track of this, of we'll have an announcement next week from Eddie Hearn. That's what he (laughs) said for three months about the whole Fury Wilder stuff. We're now on week three of, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the Joshua Fury stuff. We're now on week three of Joshua Usyk, not signed, not official. We'll have an announcement next week. Marquise. Give us some more insight here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. What what do we think is really going on here? At this point, TJ, I don't think Hearn – well, at this point, I don't think Hearn wants this fight for Joshua, and I don't think he's wanted this fight for Joshua for a while. He's been talking about dropping the – Joshua's been talking about dropping that WBO belt before the pandemic. I think a lot of people forget about that, and it, it took a, the loss to Andy Luis to, to kind of make that sweep under the rug a little bit. And I just don't think that Joshua – and let's be honest, TJ, what's, what's more attractive, Joshua Fury or Joshua Usyk? Without a doubt, if you're if you say do Joshua you believe Usyk, you're by, by saying that, do you believe he has concern that Usyk could give Joshua problems if not beat him again, and now you're tied up with a rematch with Usyk as, as opposed to being able to fight Fury? Is it a legit concern that Usyk could beat him? It's a legit concern, TJ, because there's a possibility that Usyk may pull up that upside. It, it's, it, it's one of those things, but it's a great unknown with Usyk at heavyweight. We, we, we've only seen him in limited fights against such as Zora and uh, Chad's Witherspoon. You know, you can't really gauge too much out of that to see if it, it translates that type of division. But the one thing that we do know about uh, Usyk is that he was a unified cruiserweight champion, and you don't just lose how to play, play boxing if you're a unified champion, regardless of weight division. So it's more of an intrigue of, of the ability, TJ, of maybe he's just playing keep away to make sure Joshua doesn't lose these belts again before uh, this mega fight between the winner of this Wilder Fury happens. One to ten. Ten, it absolutely happens. One, it has no chance of happening. Joshua Usyk, September or otherwise. One to ten. Uh, four. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to see WBO emails. I'm, 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 more opti- I'm, I'm more optimistic that it's seven. Uh, but you're going four? Wow. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm waiting to find – at this point, I'm, I'm waiting for the WBO to force Eddie's, Eddie's hand at this point. They've been kind of nudging like, hey, get the fight started. Hey, we wait for that show calls. A lot of that mega fight didn't happen. I, I have to believe – I have to believe part of the holdup is the Usyk camp. Without knowing this, but knowing the sport and knowing how these things work, the Usyk camp obviously has a problem with what is the rematch language in part – 
who's going to get the bigger share of the rematch? Who gets to dictate where the rematch is? Because what if Usyk wants to have the fight uh, in uh, in Lithuania in, instead of in, in the UK? What what if he wants to make the lion's share of the money? What what is the what is the rematch stuff dictate? That seems to me because this would obviously be the biggest payday of Usyk's career to have yes. this fight. It's not about the money for this fight. It's got to be about just like the Ruiz fight. What am I signing over? What am I giving away in the rematch here that they're not agreeing with? Or maybe maybe more to the point uh, here that Hearn won't be specific about when the rematch has to take place. Blah blah blah. Maybe that's ambiguous and they want that more specific in the deal, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. But I got to believe my educated speculation is the reason we don't have an agreement right now. Maybe it's, you know, so supposedly, all right, from all the reporting and Hearn has yeah. been grandstanding again with the British media and everywhere that they have an agreement. They have an understanding. So mm-hmm. why is it not signed why is it not signed for a definite date? Why is it not announced for a definite date? Yeah. So the only thing I'm connecting the dots on, it's got to be that they're not happy. Usyk's camp, his team, uh, what is it? Klimas, that is the uh, yeah. the promoter at Jesus Klimas, I believe is how you say it. They yeah. got to be unhappy with the terms of a possible rematch if they win. And that's what's that kind of language is holding it up on who gets to dictate where the fight is and that kind of stuff. I believe that's probably the case, TJ, because in the event that Usyk was to win this fight, and he's going to have this fight take place wherever he wants, and then they want to go for the same hoops that they did with the Angel Louise thing, where where when Ruiz was was threatening not to fit, like you know, fight Joshua in Britain because he wanted a he wanted you know an actual you know a fair chance at a rematch, and that was almost holding up things as well. Then they decided to just throw more money at him in Saudi Arabia. And the there rest you of go. History. <laughs> Well, and so again, uh, we'll wait. We'll have an announcement next week, right? I mean, <laughs> I'll keep track. We will have an announcement next week about Anthony Joshua, which, by the way, he continues to post on social media about playing video games. Uh, so maybe he'll just keep playing video games throughout the summer while we wait to see if there is another fight uh, for him coming up. We do know this. Marquise, stand by. Ryan O'Hara coming from ringtv.com and the uh, the Ring Magazine. Uh, he will be here to give some insight. What's going on with the undisputed lightweight fight that can't happen right now, that isn't happening, and when will it happen if it happens? Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis. Ryan will have insight on that, the middleweight picture, and more. Fight picks and fight odds also forthcoming as we roll along. But first, we're brought to you by our friends at WinBet, bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, and games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today. You'll receive a special offer for up to $500 risk-free on a sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. And download the app today. Again, that's wynnbet.com. And we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on the NBA championship and the Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. If you see a ticket you like but think the price is too high, submit a bid for the price that you think is fair and then buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of the button and PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket should be worth. In fact, just last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Milwaukee Bucks ticket on a championship future, getting it for $150 when they were down 1-0 against the Brooklyn Nets. That same customer resold their ticket through PropSwap for $1,000 after the Bucks won Game 7 last week. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Kind of think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use our promo code SGP and your first deposit is for up to $500 in bonus cash. $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. That's Prop swap hey do you ever feel like you're always on and what do you do when you need a moment to chill how do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next every day it seems to be go 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 and it's nothing but non-stop hustle all the time 
Well, guess what? You can reach for a Coors Light because it is made to chill. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button and do so with Coors Light. Reminder that Coors Light is cold, lagered, cold-filtered, cold-packaged. It's literally made to chill, and it's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Once again, Coors Light, the official beer, by the way, of the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs offs is Coors Light and when you are thinking that it is time to cool off to be refreshed Memorial Day weekend or throughout the summer when you reach for a Coors Light you know it's made to chill so again with whatever you're doing however fast it's going however hot it is remember our friends at Coors Light and a reminder the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in, heading towards a weekend that has not one, not two, but three marquee main event fight cards from Atlanta to Vegas and even in Guadalajara, Mexico, covering all of it on Big Fight Weekend. And let us bring in from ring tv we love the insight of ryan o'hara back on board of the big fight weekend podcast good to have you my friend as uh, as again the fights are really heating up this summer i know we're anxious to watch what happens this weekend we've, we've had action in the ring we've got drama outside the ring what else is new how you feeling ryan doing great tj and marquise thank you so much for having me on and yeah i'm excited for uh the, we have a, a packed schedule of fights so uh let's get it on all right, so the one the one fight right now that is still elusive on the schedule, and we honestly at the moment don't know when it's going to happen, and I still wonder now if it becomes an if it's going to happen. The undisputed lightweight title fight, Teofimo Lopez-George Cambosis, which I've lost track. Marquise and Ryan, help me. Has it been canceled 72 times, 93 times, or 115 times that the fight was tentatively going to be rescheduled for August? Now it is being moved. You wrote on Ring TV. It is apparently being talked about for September. Tell us more here, because obviously, just to set the table one one more time for a half second, Teofimo Lopez has tested positive for COVID-19, has symptoms, is not able to train at least in the last week or two. So that may be further muddying the timeline of training. Ryan, what do you know? Give us some insight on when or even if this fight between Lopez and Cambosis is still going to happen. Well, I got word uh, from a source a couple days ago uh, that, that said that the fight wouldn't happen August 14th. Or how, yeah, how, how do you say his name? Some of the athletic. He was the first report that it's possible that it'd be moved to the uh, thriller card headlined by Oscar De La Hoya's exhibition against Vitor Belfort, the MMA star. So, and, and honestly, that would make sense because, you know, Oscar is still – you know, he's still a draw. People need to realize that Oscar was the original cash cow uh, of the sport before Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather became the, the cash cow by defeating Oscar in 2007. Their pay-per-view, I forget you know, the number. I wrote a story on it, but I don't remember the numbers. But at the time, it was the, you know, the highest grossing pay-per-view of all time before Mayweather Pacquiao surpassed it in 2015. So if Tia Fimo, you know, fights, you know, in the chief support bout to the De La Hoya fight, he's going to have more eyes, you know, on his fight than he would have headlining his own card. So I think it's going to work out for him. Um, but yeah, I think Triller rushed the gun a little bit by, you know, putting it on August 14th because people forget, you know, Virgil Ortiz and Iga Dijas Kavaliaskis are fighting that day. Um, and then there's, there's another fight that, what, what's the other fight that's going on? I forget. I forget there's like right three now. of them, aren't there? There are three different fights that are already going on again from PBC, ESPN, and top rank on that same date. Uh, and that was also the date, by the way, that magically Eddie Hearn kept talking about for the Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury. We'll have an announcement next week. We'll have an announcement next week. We'll have an announcement next week. It was targeted for August 14th. And then of course it never happened. Uh, 
So uh, interesting on that, that, that we don't know um, if you had to gauge it, is it like 70 or 80% that it would be on that September card in Vegas and not a standalone fight anymore from what you're hearing from what your sources are saying, Triller's just decided this needs to be paired with something else. What about it, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm hearing. And it would make sense. You know, they're talking about staging the Delahoya Belfort fight at Legion stadium. Um, you know, where the, where the Las Vegas Raiders, I almost said Oakland there, but it's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. They're, they're going to uh, be playing at that stadium, you know, here um, coming up. So I think it would be a great idea. I mean, do I like exhibitions? Not really. Regis Progress had an interesting experience because I think that one of the reasons why he fought on that aspirin card, you know, was to get more exposure. But the only thing that got exposed was Ivan Redcatch's terrible acting skills. <laughs> Very true on that. Marquise, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan, I want, to, I want to piggyback off of you and, and call me a skeptic. And, you know, maybe, maybe because like, we've been doing this for way too long, but I just don't think this fight, uh, this, this keeping Lopez Cambosa's fight happens. They keep pushing it back. This is like the 15th time we mentioned earlier. They mentioned in September now. And the problem with that September date, and everyone wants to keep putting everything in Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium home with the Raiders. It's like there's only two problems with that one, SummerSlam, two, the Las Vegas Raiders are also on Saturdays taking occupancy of the UNLV running Rebels for college football this season. And people are forgetting a lot about that. So a lot of these dates over the weekends are ghosts. So in my question to you with this, Ryan, uh, if you were to gauge it one through 10, do you really think this fight happens? I mean, it's an IVF mandatory. It should be a chief support bout. It should be a main event. The original card was supposed to be here in Miami, back in Miami. It had everybody on split team management on it. Now all those fighters can't fight either. So it's, it's a big mess altogether. But do you really see this fight really happening uh, at all, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's about 70 80% that it happens that day. Uh, and again, we also got to realize the IBF, unlike the other sanctioning bodies, the, sa the other sanctioning bodies include the WBO, WBC, WBA. They're kind of pushovers when it comes to you know, enforcing their rules. If you mm -hmm. violate any rule of the IBF, they distribute regardless – you know, if there's an actual reason for why you can't follow their obligation, they don't care. They'll strip you for anything. So I think that, that that's something that you got to keep in mind. If Tiafimo doesn't fight this guy, he will get stripped because the, the IBF is a beast when it, comes, when it comes to following their obligations. And, you know, Tiafimo loves to talk about undisputed. Well, can't be undisputed if you don't have all the titles. So I think he really they really just want to get this fight over with. And the perfect example is they didn't hesitate to strip uh, Canelo Alvarez two summers ago to Ryan's point. And, uh, and that's going to segue to something else that we're about to talk about here in a second with the current IBF middleweight champion, Gennady Golovkin. And one more point, Ryan knows this, Marquise knows this, and for the audience, Teofimo Lopez is due like over $3.5 million as a guarantee. So he's got every reason to keep Triller's feet to the fire, figuratively here, on I want this fight and I want you to pay me the $3.5 that you promised at the purse bid. Whether or not that can be made to go away, I don't know. Again, Ryan O'Hara is with us. Uh, he's at O'Hara Sports on Twitter. You find him also on Ring TV, ringtv.com, uh, writing and, and love his insight here as he's with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, so I made reference to Gennady Golovkin. You tweeted this also as we head towards the weekend on Thursday uh, in the afternoon that the IBF champ Golovkin uh, is, is slated supposedly to be fighting the Japanese WBA middleweight champion uh, Ryota Murata in Japan at the end of the year. The question now becomes, who's he fighting before that? What are you hearing, Ryan? And give us some more insight on, on that, on what's, what's going on with the interim fight before the December fight. Well, I was told months ago that the, that the plan all along was to have Golovkin fight in the summer, you know, fight, have a fight before the Murata fight. And, you know, it's June and, you know, I started to get concerned a few days ago. I'm like, hey, so what's the deal? Because it's almost July. There's not a ton of time to promote anything. And so I reached out to some sources that, you know, have direct knowledge. And they immediately responded, well, the issue is, you know, Triple G is in a dispute with his own right now because they they're trying to force him to fight Andre. But, you know, they didn't say that necessarily that he doesn't want to fight Andre, but he wants to select his own opponents. But these, guys, these opponents aren't, quote, unquote, good he kind of, the, the source kind of described them as bums, but I'm not going to go that far, but um, you know, he described them as, you know, not there. The opponents are not good and DAZN needs a good return on their investments. People will realize that, you know, DAZN paid a lot of money to get triple G under contract and they, they need a good return on their investment. And right now there's no one 
um, available for Andre to fight that's any good, and there's no one available for Triple G uh, to fight that's any good unless these two fight each other, which is what, which is what fans want to see. They want to see compelling fights. I want to, want to piggyback off you, Ryan, actually with that, because uh, Triple G, as we all know, had to sign this big-time fight deal with his own six fights. Uh, his fight resume out of these six fights, guys, so far, Steve Rolls, Camille Sameta, Survey Devrachenko. Not exactly murderer's role here. Uh, two of those were IBF mandatory contests. So needless to say, we need uh, golf and actually fight an actual live body. And they're mentioning uh, Andre. Andre would be the best name uh, for the summer in the meantime. But I know uh, they, the, they, they've been talking about Golovkin holding hostage with this fight for Murata at, at New Year's Eve in Japan for the longest. And they wanted they want him to take another Steve Rolls kind of fight for in the meantime, but that's not going to happen as well. And I can see the zone's point with that because because they want they need they need money obviously to have from because of everything going down. Do you really think, uh, Ryan, that they, they, that the zone and Golovkin actually resolve this dispute at all, or do they just go their separate ways on all of this? No, I haven't really heard how the dispute's going. I just heard that there's a dispute going on, um, which makes sense because if you want Golovkin to fight in the summer, there should have been an announcement already. Yeah. There should have been, you know, at least a buildup. So it's my, it's my understanding that this dispute's ongoing. Um, I don't have any information when it's going to end. Uh, I just know that it's all over Andre. And I'm, I'm really uh, interested to speak to uh, Demetrius tomorrow, which is scheduled for around 12-ish. Uh, you know, hopefully it all goes to plan. I, I talked to his dad earlier today, and, you know, he saw the tweet, and he appreciated the tweet. But he also said that they're also interested in fighting Hami Mungia. Some guys were like, well, why are you going after a challenger? Well, from what I'm hearing from Paul, uh, Demetrius' dad, is that Mungia is going to be the mandatory challenger, and they just want to get that out of the way as soon as possible. Okay. And that's a that's actually a very interesting fight. Nobody may be asking me, but that's an interesting fight for Andrade. And so when you guys were talking about this back and forth, I think a lot of fans may feel the same way here too. I've seen this movie before. This was the same thing with DeZone and Canelo Alvarez on what's a good opponent, what's a premium opponent, what's an acceptable opponent. And obviously there is language in the deal for DeZone to be paying at least a large portion to Golovkin of we get to tell you, no, that opponent's not very good. We're not going to pay you for that opponent. And the other thing is Golovkin is 39 years old. How much longer can he fool around here and still be somewhat like the Golovkin we remember even three or four years ago? Ryan, a quick a quick thought on father time? I, I don't think he has many fights left, honestly. I mean, Let's look back at the Deverianchenko fight. He scored a knockdown the first round. He got hurt to the body. We saw Golovkin get hurt more times in that fight than we ever have, mm-hmm. ever. Um, and that, I think that was a sign. And he had that IBF uh, mandatory with Sharameta. And, and perhaps Triple G's looking just, you know, for easy retirement money. And honestly, you could blame him if he's, you know, really not feeling it. Why not? It's kind of like what, it's kind of like what De La Hoya said after the Pacquiao fight. It's like, well, when you're physical, it doesn't respond. What can you do? You know, I got to look out. For, I got to look out for myself and my future plans and whatnot and just, you know, go from there. And, you know, Triple G might be at that stage. He he hasn't taken, you know, a whole lot of beatings uh, during his career. But uh, like you said, he's 39 years of age. So, you know, even um, even one more bad fight could leave a, a detrimental impact in, on his career and, and, and his health. And one more educated guess here. Is it more that he doesn't want to fight Andrade at all, in your opinion? Just educated guess. Or he doesn't want to fight him now and then have to fight Murata in December, that he only wants to fight one of those guys in the next six-month timeline? You know, considering when you, when you um, say that point, you know, Murata, that fight is already pretty much done, I think, for New Year's Eve. And, you know, it's kind of like when, you know, Golovkin fought Marta Rosian. They want, the IBF wanted him to fight Deverianchenko. And look at what Deverianchenko did when they actually fought. So that, that could be another thing. Maybe he wants an opponent that's, you know, not as good as advertised uh, to set himself up for that payday versus Murata. That's also a possibility. But DeZone at this point is like, well, we're, we're almost, we're half, almost basically halfway done with this deal, and you haven't really given us much of anything. So you're going to, they're, they're pretty, it's kind of like a, you know, my way or the highway sort of thing. All right. And, uh, and speaking of that, we got to let you hit the highway in a moment or two. Uh, Marquise and I are very interested in these fights this weekend. Gervonta Davis, Mario Barrios, uh, that one, the Showtime pay-per-view in Atlanta, all the way out in Vegas, Vasily Lomachenko, 
uh, against Nakatani in a, in a big time contender fight in the lightweight division. Speaking of the lightweight division. And then there's also Julio Cesar Martinez defending his super flyweight championship uh, in Mexico. Ryan, what if any of those three fights, do they all intrigue you? Is there one more than the other that you're most interested in for this weekend? I'm most intrigued to see Lomachenko and Nakatani personally. I know people are, are probably uh, curious about the, the Tank Davis fight in Barrios. Honestly, I'm not as intrigued about that fight because I don't personally rate Barrios very high. Uh, I thought that he, lo- even though he scored two knockdowns over um, Badr Akhmadov, I still thought he lost the fight. Um, just looking at Barrios' reaction after the fight, it was pretty clear to me that he thought he lost too. Um, you know, he, I would say that he balloons really easily, you know, from swelling, cuts, whatever, whatever it may be. And I think that Gervonta Tank Davis's power is eventually going to overpower him. And I, I'm, I'm predicting probably a knockout uh, by six rounds for, for Gervonta Davis in that fight. So when you look at the height, you know, that, that looks intriguing, but when you go and, and actually, you know, study the fighters and the styles. I think this fight pro- is probably going to end in a knockout. I'm also really interested to see Lomachenko fight Nakatani because uh, I, I would say one of the reasons why Lomachenko lost to Tiafimo Lopez was because he didn't do anything for six rounds. Mm-hmm. And while if, if, this, if he only counted the second half of the fight, he would have won, but he didn't do much of anything the first half. So, you know, Nakatani's got a, you know, a big a height advantage over him, but at the same time, Nakatani, he gets – he gets really hesitant, um, especially when fighting on the inside. He kind of hesitates after, after throwing punches and then is, and is so wide open for counter shots. And he's been down on the canvas several times. So if Lomachenko, you know, cuts off the ring, as he generally is really good at doing, and, you know, f- takes away that height advantage from Nakatani, you know, get on the inside, get him uncomfortable, take away that jab, I think Lomachenko will win a decision. Nakatani, you know, has a pretty, has a pretty good jab and, you know, mixes in some, you know, hooks and uppercuts from the outside. But if he, he, he needs to keep Lomachenko at a distance to win this fight, but I don't think he'll be able to. I think Lomachenko, he's finally coming to realization that he actually lost Tio because for the first, what, couple months after the fight, it was CompuBox, CompuBox is, you know, all you frauds, the judges, this <laughs> and that. And then he finally admitted, he finally admitted, he didn't say that he, he didn't say that he lost, but he said it was a draw, which is not a win. Before he was like, I won the fight. Now he's saying it was a draw, which translation is I actually lost. So I, I think that's actually progress. You know, Lomacheco's finally coming to, coming to the realization that he didn't win, and so I think he's gonna he's gonna make a statement in this fight. Maybe not maybe not win by knockout, but he's def- he's gonna dominate Nakatani, in my opinion. All right, we look forward to all of that action this weekend, uh, Marquise. I know we always enjoy having Ryan O'Hara here on the podcast one more time. Go ahead, Marquise. Absolutely, Ryan. I uh, just want to ask you like, just one last question on this. Actually, uh, with, with with the fights going on. Uh, going with this weekend and everything picking up uh what's the one fight you're looking forward to actually this summer that's not named wilder fury three uh, i would say pacquiao spence I, I definitely want to see that fight because you know it doesn't seem like manny has lost much of a step you know you look at you know his uh, training videos and whatnot but you know he hasn't been in a fight in two years you know errol stole bingo he's only had one fight since that car crash yeah you know i had an incident with the car once and um the effects from that crash didn't come in three years later. So basically, the my, my Honda Pilot, the the parking brake on it like popped out of gear, and I was behind it, got crushed by my own car. Now, yeah, it, it was horrible. I can't even imitate how much pain I was in, but I didn't feel the repercussions for years later. And you know, finally, I'm I'm starting to live back uh, back pain free again. But I'm curious if the, if, the, if those injuries are going to flare up for for Spence because sometimes when when you go through it, you know, your brain is like, okay, you know, I survived, and then years later, like, ooh. You know, that something doesn't feel so that something doesn't feel so right. So I'm interested to see if he's truly 100 percent because, you know, Errol did admit that he was only 70 percent for Danny Garcia uh, and still dominated the fight. And of course, like I said, Manny has been in the ring in a while. Um, I mean, Manny's human like everyone else. So it, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, Spence has never fought anyone like Pacquiao and everything that Errol has Manny has seen before, but not at the age of 42. And I think it's going to be a really good fight. I think it's going to go the distance. Love the insight. Again, O'Hara Sports on social media, on Twitter. Find him at Ring TV. Uh, we appreciate you making time for us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We're anxious to see what happens this weekend and throughout the summer. Ryan, thank you. 
Right, thank you, guys. Thank you, TJ. Thank you, Marquise. And, uh, yeah, ringtv.com for the latest and greatest in boxing news. Gives us a great time to remind you that our friends at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, very trendy, right in the heart of the Vegas Strip, they are proud sponsors of what we're doing right here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. If you are headed out to Vegas for whatever the occasion is, we, we recommend the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas uh, because, again, whether you're talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs where the Vegas Golden Knights look like they are e-ticketed to be in the Stanley Cup finals, if you're headed out there, if you're headed for Wilder Fury in the summer, for Spence Pacquiao, or just to take vacation or go and play with Nevada opening back up again, Las Vegas opening back up again uh, with the post-COVID-19 pandemic here, the guidelines being loosened up. And more and more casinos, restaurants going to full capacity, entertainment shows coming back. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, great place to stay over uh, all these different amenities. Over 12 different choices of restaurants and food stops just within the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Over 100,000 feet of casino, sports book, etc. to go and wager on. Two different luxury pool levels, by the way, including the cabanas and uh, all the special treatment there. They've got the spa at, at the Cosmopolitan, just about anything that you would want. It's the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. Check them out at CosmopolitanLasVegas.com for more information. And again, we are proud to pump them as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Well, we love talking to Ryan there with the insight uh, as uh, as everything starts to unfold this weekend again from Atlanta to Guadalajara, Mexico to Las Vegas with these different fight cards. All right, so that leads us right in, Marquise Johns. Uh, Ryan was saying the Lomachenko fight probably intrigues him uh, more so than the Davis-Barrios pay-per-view in Atlanta for, for Barrios' 140-pound regular title for the WBA. Which, by the way, I'll make mention again. I wrote this on BigFightWeekend.com. Josh Taylor has all four of the belts. Josh Taylor is the world champion for the WBA. And, uh, you know, I get the fact that, that Tank Davis is a selling card on pay-per-view, but this is not a world championship belt that he is fighting for. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a... It's a regular title. It's an interim title. It's a, it's an extra value meal, if you will, at McDonald's version of the title. That's me saying that. So anyway, I'll put the same question to you. How, are you are you that much intrigued by Davis Barrios? Are you more intrigued by by Lomachenko Nakatani in Las Vegas? I'm more intrigued with Nakatani fight, TJ. Nothing with, with the tape. With, with Tank Davis needs fights, TJ on pay per view. And you're being nice. You call this a, you know for a WBA reg a Reggie title here. My, at the end of the day, TJ. A showcase fight for Tank Davis. That's all this is. And but the only hook on this one is that that 140 because to Tank Davis, you know, his weight fluctuates. And to his credit, TJ, I've, I've seen Tank Davis on several occasions. Well, I was in Atlanta for 2019 when he knocked out Gamble in 12 rounds. That his weight because he's a small kid, he's a tank, and he his weight functions. He may have been 165 at that post fight conference when I saw Brett wow. Gamble. So. I can see why this is at 140. That's why I think it's interesting. That That's really the only interesting part about all of this to see what version of Tank Davis at 140 shows up. The actual fight itself, I think, is all but academic. I mentioned, I think Ryan mentioned that like a six-round knockout for Barrios. I, I, I think Barrios is a little more game than that to stay away from Tank more often than not. They make take, make, take, make Davis come towards him a little bit more, kind of like what Gamboa did for a little bit, despite having one good leg for about half the fight, if not all of it. So it, it, it's more of that, but no, I just don't think – I don't think Barrios is that big of a deal. And I saw, I saw LRB this week talking about, you know, Josh Taylor, like, oh, he's not a pay-per-view selling draw and whatnot. But at the end of the day, either you <laughs> want the money or you want the titles. Obviously, he's fighting for money now. At some point, Tank Davis is going to have to fight an actual live body for some of these titles. And that's what we're all waiting for here. Yeah, Leonard Ellerby again, who's been long associated as a yes man and carnival barker for Floyd Mayweather, uh, <laughs> was trying to act like that, that Josh Taylor wouldn't be a draw uh, because Josh Taylor fought in the top rank show and there were only about a thousand people allowed in the venue where they are in Nevada. Uh, here's the reality. And this is important. Jo when Josh Taylor fought Regis Prograce, it was sold out at the O2 arena yeah. in London uh, for the unified version of the 140 pound title. If Josh Taylor were to have a fight with Gervonta Davis at an outdoor stadium in the UK, they would, all things being equal with what's allowed to be there, they would have 20,000, 30,000, or 40,000 fans that are there. And it's not because of Gervonta Davis. It would be because of Josh Taylor. So yeah. en enough of that uh, on, on who's the drawing card, because you're absolutely right. I mean, you put, 
you put 10 casual sports fans in the room. You showed them a photograph of Mario Barrios and you asked them, who is this? You may not get one person who knows who that is. And I'm not saying they necessarily know who Josh Taylor is either, but they definitely don't know who Mario Barrios is for Davis to be fighting him. And the 15,000 plus at State Farm Arena uh, that we're talking about here that are probably in in the crowd in Atlanta, are, they're there to see Tank Davis. We get it. But it's no different than Josh Taylor fighting in the UK or in Scotland. There'd be 15,000 or 20,000 there to see him in that part of the world. And he's got all four titles at 140. Tank Davis minus 400, by the way, as we get into the odds a little bit on, on a couple of these fights real quick. Yeah. Uh, Barrios plus 300 as the underdog. I don't see an under over on the rounds for hmm. Davis to maybe get a knockout or not. You you believe it goes longer than six rounds, though? Yeah, I think it goes about seven or at least seven to nine rounds. I don't, I don't think – but Tank isn't – Tank's one of those guys, TJ, and we've seen him in Tank Davis fights. Either he puts you away within two rounds or he slacked off a little bit and he finds a way to take you out after the fact. And that's kind of what I think was going to happen here because I think Barros is at least that good enough to stay physically active away from this guy. Concern on Tank Davis, again, moving up and the punching power still being there. He's never fought at 140. The last fight with Santa Cruz, the devastating knockout, was at 135. Is there some concern that this guy can take his punch until we see it, until we see that Davis's punch does translate like it has at the smaller divisions into 140? That's the only honestly, teacher. That's the million dollar question with all this is if, if, if Davis's power translates with all of this. I think it may have more influence the fact that his weight just fluctuates so much with all of this. But I will, I'm really intrigued with, with Barrios only because of a from a heightened distance standpoint. It's a lot of fights going on this weekend, teacher. We are seeing a guy, you know, the, the lengthier guy facing the shorter guy, i.e., Lomachenko versus Nasiosi Nakatani. That's his name. There you go. But uh, it, it's one of those deals. And, <laughs> And it, it, it's, it's, it's the same setup, and we'll, that, that's really the middle of the course. And can 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 either, can Davis get inside and, and, and do the same thing he did to Santa Cruz? Because it, 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 these are two different guys. All right, interesting on the odds. Again, we do this for Sports Gambling Podcast and the yeah. and the dot com that Vasily Lomachenko in the top ranked ESPN Las Vegas main event minus fourteen hundred fourteen to one to win this. Uh, Masayoshi Nakatani is plus 850 as the underdog. So that is a much wider favorite for Lomachenko, who has been off for what, nine months off the shoulder surgery that he's had. He's getting a lot of respect from the odds makers there, Marquise. TJ, I'm going to be honest with you. Nakatani is a live dog in this, and I kind of like those numbers for Nakatani for one reason and one reason only. I, I, the winner of this fight, TJ, is he um, essentially, I think what they're trying to plan is to have that rematch with Vasily, not Vasily, but with Tifima Lopez. Both these guys have faced and lost to Lopez. And of course they want revenge for all of this. Nakatani before he faced, before uh, uh, Lopez faced Kami for the IBF title. And then uh, of course, his last, Tifima Lopez last fight against Lomachenko himself to become undisputed. I think Nakatani poses the same problems for Lomachenko that Tifa Lopez does because he's a lanky guy and he throws at weird punches and angles. The, the only setback that he has different from Tifa Lopez is he's not going to be probably as aggressive as I think O'Hara mentioned would in terms of that, you know, being hesitant and patient and whatnot. But I, he, he, he can a problem with this TJ. I think really, if this, if you only play on that card, nothing against Lomachenko is to go with the underdog on that. Well, and bear in mind, Nakatani got into this position with the wild fight with Felix Verdejo, where Nakatani, what he was knocked down, he was at least hurt, wasn't he? Knocked down, he got knocked up, down. knocked knocked uh, Verdejo down, and then stopped Verdejo yeah. to win that fight, and that has now put him in position to fight Lomachenko here, and maybe screw up a Lomachenko rematch with Teofimo yeah. Lopez. We got so many subplots. This is like the Young and the Restless or General Hospital <laughs> uh, here with all of this that we got so many subplots. Is the Lopez-Cambosis fight going to actually happen, like you were theorizing and asking Ryan a few minutes ago? If it doesn't happen, are we proceeding directly to the rematch with uh, – I could, I could see this, all right? For example, mm-hmm. what you were talking about. I could see Lomachenko winning and winning impressively. Yeah. And the Lopez thing progresses along, and Lopez says, you know what, I don't want to fight George Cambosis, and I'm willing to forgive – the the three mil that Triller was supposed to pay me. Hey, Bob Aram, you pay me three mil and we'll do the Lomachenko rematch instead in October or November. Give Lomachenko a little time here. October, November, we'll just do that rematch again. I could see 
that happening, then again, it's not me. Then again, Lopez may see dollar signs and say, hey, I'll take every bit of the 3.5, 3.7, whatever he's getting from mandatory that, again, Triller was paying double more than what matchroom boxing or top rank boxing were going to pay for that fight. Lopez may see dollar signs and just say, hey, I want to count the money right here. And then I'll have Lopez or I'm sorry, I'll have Lomachenko theoretically in the rematch as a December, a January or a February fight where we get again, I get three or four or five million dollars for that. It makes sense, Tate. And, and to piggyback your point, I can go a few months further. Uh, yeah, now that Loma, Lo, not Lopez and Bob Aram and Top Rank are all buddy buddy again, and they made an re- agreement for a potential pay per view fight. This before he caught COVID in October. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure the winner of that this Lomachenko uh, Nagatani fight was probably going to be that pay per view fight if I had to spitball here. Right. And it would have made and it would have made more sense had it been you know Lopez Lomachenko being on pay per view because it was a big time fight that happened during the pandemic that had big ratings and numbers. It makes sense and makes everybody happy all together. And so I can well, see that happening. And the other thing uh, with this is the first fight was not a pay-per-view fight. It was on main ESPN and it drew well. It drew yeah. like almost 2 million people watching that main event last October. So the theory would be put it on pay-per-view and then does it get 300,000 buys, 500,000 buys for whatever your budget is for the pay-per-view let's see uh on that we got to get out of here in a moment or two on the big fight weekend podcast also julio cesar martinez we've been talking about this wbc uh super flyweight world title fight here at 115 pounds uh martinez and joel cordoba uh get ready to do battle here actually the wbc flyweight championship i may have been saying super flyweight but wbc flyweight championship this fight's been delayed a couple of times because of COVID 19 martinez was also either sick or injured they're finally mm-hmm. fighting in guadalajara mexico he is heavily favored at minus 3000 at 30 to 1 here to win over cordoba is there much to pay attention to here matchroom boxing canelo's new promotion mm-hmm. that's the main event saturday night in mexico are you intrigued slightly here? I'm intrigued slightly by that for two reasons, TJ. Not the actual fight card itself up and down. The fight card itself up and down is really not that strong, even for a Mexican card. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how fast uh, Martinez uh, is recovering from this injury that he had. To knock out Cordova. I don't think Cordova has any shot whatsoever, TJ, on this, on this, on this fight whatsoever. But I'm also intrigued All because right. this, this is the first Canelo fight under his new promotional banner in Mexico. So, obviously, he's going to be there. He was he was he was in town last weekend for uh, the uh, that Anderson Silva Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. debacle. So needless to say, he's in the neighborhood. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Canelo is going to say about that new promotion outlet, how he, how he looks to expand his empire in in, in the promotional field. Well, and again, uh, Canelo Alvarez, a superhero right now in Mexico. But the fact that he was paying homage to Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. in his uh-huh. exhibition, he was there. And then they even stopped in the middle of the exhibition fooling around with Hector Camacho Jr., the son of the legend. Yeah. Uh, and, and Chavez Sr. was waving Canelo up. Come up onto the ring apron. Come be in my corner. I mean, all of that was orchestrated, like the WWE. Oh, yeah. Here, we're back to Summer SummerSlam again. But clearly... Canelo promoting this fight. Canelo wants to fight there again at some point. He wanted to have a fight. He wanted to fight Yildirim earlier this year in Mexico, but they couldn't because of the COVID guidelines and the and the increasing numbers. They couldn't make it happen where it was going to even have fans there. So is Canelo setting the stage maybe that after this Caleb Plant fight, there would be another fight potentially that would be in Mexico for him? Let's wait and see. Uh, mm-hmm. If that's going to happen. All right. Any other fight before we go, either on the Showtime pay-per-view premier boxing champions in Atlanta, top rank ESPN card in Las Vegas, or this matchroom card in Mexico, any other fight or fighter to keep an eye on. We always love you for that as part of the podcast and the website. Absolutely. DJ. The one fight I want to keep an eye on the yeah, Tank Davis pay-per-view is the co-main event with Erickson Lubin and Jelson Rosario. The last time we all, TJ, we saw Jelson Rosario. He was absolutely annihilated by a, uh, a uh, little Charlo, uh, with that that body shot, which had him shaking on the yeah. ground. So we're looking to see how he's going to recover from that. It's going to be an interesting fight because I think that this this puts the the winner of this fight back in a rematch situation with Charlo at some point because it's, it's 154 and it's a busy division. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see how Rosario looks with this. He's he's favored in this fight, TJ, but no, he's he's the underdog in this fight. But I don't. I, no, he's. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm thinking Ruben wins again here, and and they, they keep they keep us moving along, and that sets up possibly a chance for Lubin Charlo too, which may bring up the, once again the conversation that you mentioned earlier in the podcast about Big Charlo moving up in weight. 
Yeah. Don't be surprised if you hear a little Charlo doing the exact same thing. I love, I love how you call them Big Charlo and Little Charlo. They're char- they're twins, and they were born like two minutes apart. So, yeah. so, but in the case Big of Mel Jamal, he's <laughs> been he's been Jamal has been fighting at middleweight at one sixty, yeah. while Jermel Mel. is going for undisputed at junior middleweight at one fifty four, and mm-hmm. Jermel Charlo seems content to stay there at one fifty four and rule and dominate in that division. There's a couple of other guys that he may be interested in fighting at one fifty four, even after the fight with Castaño, the undisputed fight that's coming up. Uh, we'll see on that. Couple more moments, by the way. The finale of the four-part docu series from Showtime, The Kings, yes. with Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Thomas Hitman Hearns, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran. The final of the four will air for the first time on Showtime network proper again if you have showtime on demand and the showtime app they made all four of them available we were talking about this marquise in your absence last week uh, on the podcast that they had made all four available if you have showtime on demand or if you have the app that um that you could see all four if you just have showtime cable through the cable box through the dish through whatever it, the fourth one is about to happen, and this is where we're building to Leonard versus Hagler, the super fight, April 1987, uh, and everything has been building to that moment. And I have now seen the fourth and final one. I know you've seen them all, including the fourth and final one. they got to get a load of this. One more plug for Showtime Sunday night as they debut on the network the fourth and final installment of the Kings. Absolutely, TJ. Big fan of this Kings series up and down, all four pieces of it. To any of the trackers who have seen the first three parts so far, the one the, the, the one criticism I've, I've heard repeatedly, TJ, is that there's a lot of folks, you know, because they don't want to talk about the, the, the politics and sports. You may have heard that before. And, of course, they, the, the, the documentary pretty much lays out the whole Reaganomics process of the 80s at the time as, as, a, as kind of a backup to the, to the documentary. A, a lot of folks hate that. Guess what, guys? The fourth part, spoiler alert, doesn't do anything with that. So enjoy. And it's going to be good. It's actually a good one to watch. Well, and and that was, again, we cannot convey this enough. I'm going to get one more plug in for the previous podcast we did with Brian Dugan, who is the author of the book Super Fight. He wrote an entire book on Leonard Hagler and how much it intrigued him. Very detailed, interviewed both fighters extensively over the years uh, and wrote uh, several hundred pages, as it turns out, on this fight. It was that big of a deal. It was the richest fight. I know Ryan O'Hara was talking about De La Hoya, Mayweather, and of course the Tyson fights that came after Leonard and Hagler were lucrative all over the place. But the De La Hoya Mayweather became the most lucrative, and then and then Pacquiao Mayweather in 2015. But the richest fight up until that time ever was Leonard Hagler, where they were both guaranteed $10 million. The fight generated 10 times that. Again, in the 1980s economic times, it was massive. Um, so again, Brian Dugan talked with us at length on this podcast. Go back in our archive, and you'll see Brian Dugan back probably about six, eight weeks ago, where we did the interview with him uh, on the podcast archive, and you can listen for 15 or 20 minutes where we're talking about that, uh, because he wrote the whole book about this so intrigued he's a guy from northern ireland and he was so intrigued as uh as a contemporary of mine as a late teenager uh god i cannot believe that was 34 years ago that that leonard and Hagler fought but he was so intrigued in the uk by by how amazing those uh fights had been between the kings and it all culminated with leonard finally fighting Hagler off of Hagler having knocked out thomas hearns Leonard had the wins over Duran and over Hearns, and now these two were actually going to fight, and Showtime lays it all out on Sunday night. One more time, one more time. Anything else you want to say? Absolutely, TJ. The Four Kings documentary, Showtime, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Please check it out if you haven't. Highly recommend it. It wraps up. It puts a great, it puts a great bow on the entire Four Kings series and another one involved. And if you've missed the first three, again, if you can get access to Showtime On Demand or if you have the Showtime app, you can go find the first three if you're just hearing us and going, what are you talking about uh, here on the But Presumably, most of our audience is hardcore boxing fans, and we've been talking about this for a month leading up to it. We've been writing about it all over the site, and so is everybody else everywhere else. So I find it hard to believe if you're a boxing fan in this country, you haven't known about this documentary series, but the first three episodes have all already happened but you can go back and review those Showtime On Demand and through the app, through the online part, and then the fourth one comes out 
obviously on Sunday night. All right, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be all over these fights this weekend, writing about them in the preview mode and uh, the writing about them in the recap mode, etc. Whether it is Davis Barrio Showtime Pay Per View Atlanta Premier Boxing Champions, whether it is Lomachenko Nakatani Top Rank ESPN Over the Air Cable Card. Uh, that'll be taking place Saturday night, or Julio Cesar Martinez, WBC Flyweight Championship, DAZN streaming. We're writing about them in the preview mode and in the recap mode this weekend. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, resource for all things boxing news, past, present, and future. We'll keep an eye on, on the busy weekend of fights going on here. Did want to give a quick plug as well uh, for those overseas in the, in the UK. Uh, MTK Fight Night on Friday afternoon has Lil Jay Harris in a title eliminator for the IBF. Uh, you may have seen Jay Harris uh, fighting uh, a blast well, most folks are saw fighting and losing in a fun one against Julio Cesar Martinez, who's fighting this weekend. He's a pretty IBF mandatory at flyweight, so we'll see what happens with that. And, and also as well with this weekend with these fights cards, DJ, the one thing I'm looking forward to with, with this is someone's guaranteed, at least on two of these cards, to have highlight reel knockouts. Pretty much similar to what we had this past weekend with Gabe Rosario absolutely obliterating Beck the Bully on that Golden Boy card show. And uh, yep. anyway, with the liver shiver of the year so far. I expect to see more of that this weekend. Yeah, maybe it's Gervonta Davis with the big shot. Maybe it's Lomachenko with the big shot, with the big knockout. We'll find out for all those fights. Marquise, great job. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely, DJ. Thanks so much. And Marquise can be found at Weak Sauce Radio. Love the Twitter handle, at Weak Sauce Radio. Find uh, Ryan O'Hara, our guest from Ring TV at O'Hara Sports. Uh, you can tweet at us at Big Fight Weekend. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the Facebook page as well. Uh, Big Fight Weekend is where we are. Read the website, bigfightweekend.com. For now, we are done. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We're back next week in July. It will be July when we're back with you again. That means it's Fury Wilder Fight Month in July when we're back with you. For now, we're done on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the action this weekend and read the website, bigfightweekend.com. Bye. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.